All right, y'all. We're in uh, Genesis chapter 39 uh, this morning. Uh, We're doing a sermon series uh, that's entitled uh, Dare to Dream. Uh, The first week of this series, we talked about Joseph's calling. We talked about those dreams and what that meant for Joseph and what that meant for the promises of God as well. And then we looked last week at that promise that was challenged when Joseph's brothers couldn't see past the end of their nose, and they sold Joseph into slavery. And that's where we really pick up the story today. Uh, So let's bow our heads, let's begin in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into this passage. Father God, we, uh, we come this morning with grateful hearts that you have called us to be children of God. And Lord, I know that that we don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. My sin has kept me from you. But Lord, you have seen past our sins through the death of your son, Jesus Christ. You've brought us freedom from sin. You've you've, uh, brought us forgiveness from sin. And through your grace, we are children of God. This morning, as we study your word as your children, we ask that you will guide and lead us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of us know the story of Joseph. It's really difficult to step outside the story and read it with fresh eyes. Many of us know about his coat, how he ran from sin, his time, his position in prison, and of course how he saved all of Egypt. But bear with me as we approach this passage once again with fresh eyes. I mentioned several times that Joseph appears to be prideful, appears to tout his multicolored coat before his brothers. But I must remind you, Scripture never says he sinned. And we don't really get a good picture of his heart until this passage today. So this morning, with fresh eyes, let's look at the story of Joseph, and specifically, let's look a little bit into his heart and what's going on in this passage. Chapter 39, we're going to read first, verse 1 through 6. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, we're told, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes, and he became Potiphar's attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. He entrusted him everything he owned. And from that time, he put in charge of his household And of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. So he left Joseph in charge of everything. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Let's pause there. My first job in college was to run trash pickup on campus. Now, in high school, I did landscaping, and I worked fast food. I worked at Steak and Shake. 
And so I wrote that down on my application to do work study at Johnson, and yet work study put me on trash duty. I was hoping to be mowing yards. I was hoping to be working a grill, but no, I had to collect trash, open the bags of trash and find recyclables and then burn the trash. It was an awful, awful job. And I'm pretty sure that if I was sold into slavery, I probably wouldn't be as well off as Joseph. I'd be on trash duty, probably. I'd probably get the same treatment I got at college. But not Joseph. He got, he got a good gig. The man was sold into slavery by his brothers and then sold to Potiphar, and the guy did well. At this point in the story, Joseph is probably in his 20s. He served Potiphar for maybe 11 years and worked his way up that ladder, and God was with him. We get a, a, a little bit of a piece of the puzzle here that shows us that Joseph was a hard worker, and that God blessed him with everything he did. Potiphar must have been incredibly open to realize the potential in Joseph. He must have been very involved in his affairs to be able to see that Joseph and everything he touched was blessed. Now Joseph, being sold into slavery, could have fallen into depression. He could have fallen into apathy but he did the best he could while he was in captivity. And if we're looking at Joseph's heart this morning, we can see that he is faithful to God. And he was a blessing while in captivity. And that's important to remember because 1,300 years later, 1,300 years later, we see this encouragement from Jeremiah to the captives and Babylon. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there. Do not decrease and seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And we really see this picture happen with Joseph because it's from Joseph's line and his lineage that we would see the Israelites grow and grow and grow in numbers among the Egyptians. And they prospered in everything they did. And the Egyptians had to equate this prosperity to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's important to remember. That the life God calls Israel to live 1,300 years later was lived by Joseph himself. All right, let's read on a little bit more and see if we can get a better picture of his heart, starting in verse uh, 6 and 7. Now, Joseph, he was well-built and handsome. Now, I picture that the reason that I got put on trash duty is because I wasn't well-built and handsome probably was the issue. All right. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Uh-oh. 
but he refused. He said, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her, or even to be with her. Let's look at Joseph's heart. The temptation here is great. I'm sure Potiphar's wife is beautiful, and there is temptation to sleep with a woman of wealth and influence. But look at how Joseph responds. He is concerned about how it will affect his position with Potiphar. He's concerned with this relationship with his master. And he's concerned about the relationship that he has with God. Joseph responds with, Joseph responds with how that is wicked and sinful and against God's will. Joseph is concerned about integrity and righteousness, and I cannot express how impressed we should be with this young man. Dr. George Sweeting tells this story. He says, several years ago, our family visited Niagara Falls. It was spring, and ice was rushing down the river, and I, I viewed the large blocks of ice flowing towards the falls, and I could see that there were dead fish embedded in the ice, and gulls by the score would be riding down the river, feeding on the fish, and as they came to the brink of the falls, they flew away. I watched one goal that just happened to delay a little bit, and I wondered if he would leave. It was engrossed in the fish, and when it finally came to the brink of the falls and out went its powerful wings, the bird flapped and flapped and even lifted the ice a little out of the falls, but it was too delayed. And he had delayed too long, and his claws had frozen into the ice. And the weight of the ice was so great that it pulled this bird down into the abyss. Joseph was tempted every day. And that temptation had to be great and difficult to overcome. But through his integrity, he chose to fly away. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful, will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but when tempted, he also provides a way of escape so you may endure it. Joseph was tempted, he endured the temptation, and he escaped. Talk about that escape today in verse 11. One day, Joseph went into the house to attend to his duties. None of the household servants were inside. She sat in a trap for him. She caught him by his cloak, said, come to bed with me. But he escaped. He left his cloak with her and ran out of the house. And so, maybe she's embarrassed. She saw that and she left his cloak, that he left his cloak in her hand. And she ran out of that house, and she called all of her servants together and told them this story. 
look, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make a sport of us. He came here to sleep with me, but I screamed. He heard the scream, and he, he ran out of the house and left this cloak. She kept his cloak beside her until the master came home, and she told him the same story. This Hebrew slave you brought to me came to make a sport of me, she said. But as soon as I screamed, he left this cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard this, he, uh, he, he burned with anger, we're told, in verse 19. This is how your slave treated me, she said, and he burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Joseph did the right thing, amen? Evidently, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph in front of all of her employees, and it didn't work. And so she empties the house. Now Joseph has an option to sin when no one is looking. The sin can be private, just between him and Potiphar's wife. But still, Joseph makes a bold move. He runs. And without any witnesses, Potiphar's wife has the ability now to make up a story of her own. Potiphar gets home, puts Joseph in, tr in prison, and now... Joseph has gone to this favorite son with his beautiful robe. That robe was stripped. He was sold into slavery. And he rose up to the top again, and that robe was stripped. And he was put in prison. It's a roller coaster, right? Now, there are two spiritual truths that I want you to walk home with this morning, or, or dry, you can walk though. The most important truth you can learn from this passage is that God walks with you even when you're tempted. God walks with you even when you are tempted. Temptation is not a sin, and God doesn't leave you alone in temptation. I used to think of temptation, like trying to learn how to ride a bike. You know, dad holds you while you pedal, and your dad's running along, but eventually he can't run that fast, and he's got to let you go, right? When I was teaching Eli to ride a bike, I remember letting go. I remember letting go, and he went down that hill, and he just fell. And I remember thinking how powerless I was because I couldn't keep running alongside him, right? And I used to think of temptation in that way, but that's, that's not how it works. God never lets go. He never just sits and watch you fall. He's not going to leave your side. Deuteronomy says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Do not Fear or be dismayed. Because even in sin, God has not left you. The second spiritual truth is just as important. God will never leave you even as you face the worldly consequences for good moral decisions. 
Because just because you made the right choice doesn't mean you don't face the consequence of this world. Joseph faced punishment for a crime he did not commit. He served jail time from the guy that he was fighting to protect. The guy that he was serving, the guy that he was looking after. And he fought jail time from his hand. But that didn't mean he did something wrong. And it surely didn't mean that God left him. God was with them through those good times, and God will be with them through the bad times as well. Ultimately, the story of Joseph reminds me of the story of Jesus and how he was tempted. Do you remember the temptation of Jesus? He was, he was tempted three times in the wilderness. He was hungry, and Satan offered him an easy way out. Turn this stone to bread, and Jesus declined. He was alone in the wilderness, and Satan offered Jesus an easy way to test God's presence. Jump off of this tower and God will send angels, they'll save you, and you'll be reminded of the presence of God. But Je Jesus declined. While considering Jesus' calling to the cross, Satan offered a different path. You can rule mankind, Satan said. If you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus declined. He was offered more on earth if he could just set aside his integrity for a minute. But Jesus declined. It led Joseph to prison, and it led Jesus to the cross. And I'm grateful it led Jesus to the cross because there's power in the cross. Uh, Jeff and Shar are going to be singing a song and I want, as they're singing this song, each of you to, to gather to the, the corners here to grab a cup. The bread is on the bottom, and that re represents Jesus' body that was hung on a cross. The juice, which is in the top cup, represents Jesus' blood that was shed. The body and blood remind, remind us that Jesus died for your sin, for the times that you failed when temptation was at your door. But it also reminds us the power of an empty tomb. Because Jesus did not die on a cross only. He also rose from the dead. My favorite line from this song they're going to sing is the kind of power that empties graves. Jesus offers you the kind of power that empties graves. You're going to face temptation. Many of you will face the exact same kind of temptation that Joseph faced. But you have the presence and power of God inside of you that can protect you if you will just harness that power. God promises you a way out. And he also promises that if you fail, the same power will pick you back up so you can live again. Let's pray.
Father, I am grateful for that power. Father, I know that Satan doesn't want us to live out the calling you've placed in our lives. I know that this world does not want us to live out the power that you've called this church to be. And I pray, Lord, that for your strength as we face the temptations of this life, that through the power of your Holy Spirit in your empty tomb, you will grant us the power that we need to survive. And as we drink that juice and as we eat that bread, help us to be reminded of the power that's in an empty tomb and an empty cross. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.